Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, with school holidays in full swing, I hope you haven't left home without navigation and dash cam footage sorted. If you have, your risk, not mine. I wouldn't recommend it, but here we are. Now, if you do need a navigation unit or a dash cam, obviously Navman have a huge range to choose from, but if you already have a Navman unit, whether it's a GPS unit or a dash cam, it's actually important to keep them up to date. Now, you do get the free map upgrades, and that's an important thing to do with all the new suburbs that keep popping up. If you know someone who's just built in a developing area, Good chance a lot of mapping systems don't have those streets in there yet. Navman will have them. You get those free updates. But the same thing with dash cams. The software improves. The camera quality can be improved. Make sure you keep your units up to date. And if you go to navman.com.au and hit the update section, you'll easily find your make model and be able to download the latest updates for either unit. And I think that's an important thing to do. If you're new to this, buckle in. It's an important thing to consider. Having a dash cam means that you've got that extra eyes and ears on the road, paying attention to what's in front of you with a very wide angle field of view with incredible detail day or nighttime, as well as the option to have rear cameras as well. And that means that anything that happens behind you, especially if there's a rear end collision, you'll have everything recorded. And the best bit is that camera quality is so good that you'll even know that that person who rear-ended you was actually touching their phone or they were looking at the lady crossing the road on the other side, whatever it is, you'll always have that captured in clear view with Navman dash cams. Head to navman.com.au, check out their entire range. And as I said, if you've already got a unit, make the most of the benefits of being a Navman customer and get those free updates. Let's get on with the show. Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this show. First of all, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your five-star review if you haven't left one already. And tonight, this show, we will talk a lot, uh, quite a lot about technology. That's what we do. But we also do it uncorked. And that means we open a bottle of wine. And today I have a Primo Estate Fiano 2022 vintage. Now this is fresh out of the out of the barrel, basically straight into the bottle, straight into the glass, ready for me to serve. This is from McLaren Vale. And I visited these guys, I actually stumbled across these guys when I was in McLaren Vale doing some wine tasting a few years back, fell in love with them. Italian family who effectively brought themselves up in uh, the Barossa and McLaren Vale. But what they also do is they fly back to Italy. They get grapes from there, Sangiovese and things like that. They bring it back. They make Italian wine, but they actually mix it a lot of the time with Australian grapes as well. So I've actually got some other things in the cellar, like a Sangiovese cross with Shiraz. Amazing red wine mix. But tonight it's the Fiano and it's a white wine that honestly, it's got this nashi pear melon going on. It is the most fresh, vibrant little bottle of white wine that I've had in a long time. And I wish it was warmer weather because I'd be enjoying it even more, probably outside and probably not doing this particular podcast, but enjoying it nonetheless. It's a $27 bottle of wine. You don't need to break the bank to get really good wines, especially Australian wines. And I think more and more people are starting to realize that. Now today on the show, We're going to go through a couple of new smart home gadgets, some new cameras, some new doorbells. There's a new tablet on the market from TCL. But yes, we're going to talk about that big giant elephant in the room. And it's the thing that's dominated my phone, my my time this week. 
uh, it's the Optus data breach. We have to talk about it because we're crazy if we don't. But as always, if you're not interested in Optus data breach, the first half of the show is going to be about the latest tech news. So let's get started on that. Now, thinking about the smart home, it's probably something that I've seen change the most over the last couple of years when it comes to tech. There's plenty of innovation in tech always, but the smart home has been going gangbusters. And one of those areas that I've loved is what we're seeing in security cameras, smart security cameras, the DIY kind, ones that you can put up and ones that I can put up ourselves. No wires, just battery powered, Wi-Fi enabled security cameras. Now I use Arlo mostly at home um, and I find them to be fantastic cameras. Unfortunately, you do pay this monthly subscription just to keep the cloud storage running and whatnot, but it kind of you kind of get used to that part and you kind of ignore it. It's like having Netflix, but for your home. Um, but there is another brand that I have probably I have paid attention to, but not so much in the security camera space, and I probably should based on this new announcement. Now, Ring, um, mostly known for their smart doorbells, they're one of the first to really pioneer the smart doorbell space. They've got some new uh, cameras coming out, and I think I need to get some of these to actually test and compare against Arlo, because I think when a lot of people think of security cameras, it's one of the bigger brands that people mention. Ring maybe being number two or three, maybe Uniden would be up there as well. So they've got two new cameras coming to market, one being the Spotlight Cam Pro and the other one, the Spotlight Cam Plus. Now, the Pro is the more expensive model and it has a few extra features, but it's going to be much of a muchness when we actually look at them. But let's talk a little bit about the Cam Pro. The one thing that really catches my eye here is the fact that they've added radar-powered vision into the cameras. And that's, that means a couple of things. 3D motion detection. Um, color pre-roll, which is obviously just great kind of footage, but a bird's eye view. That means you can produce an aerial map view of motion events that occur in front of your doorbell or camera. So imagine being to have, it's almost like what a LiDAR system can see or what your robot vacuum or, um, or Tesla can actually vision, but being able to work out objects, their placement, how far away from the camera, having distance and things like that inside the camera, which is very, very smart to help you understand potentially ignore movement that's happening 10 meters in front of the camera because it's a busy footpath or something like that. But I do want to know when they get close enough to the house, that's when it's something I want to be alerted about. So I think that's a really smart thing that they've added into their cameras. They've also obviously got the loud siren. They've got the audio features with the microphone so you can hear and effectively have a conversation through your cameras if you wanted to as well. Now, this will come in a battery as well as a plug-in option, which I think is smart. And they're also offering it with a solar panel as well. The pricing here seems quite aggressive. $329 for the battery or plug-in option. So you can choose how you choose to run that. And then $359 for with a solar panel. $359, I'm pretty sure that's the price of an Arlo camera on its own. So having it with the solar panel makes a huge difference. That means you can mount it literally wherever you like within range of your Wi-Fi and not have to touch it again because it will continue to recharge based on the solar. And honestly, for someone like me who have, I have one of those Arlo um, 4G powered ones down in the paddock. I had to walk a country mile to go and get it today so I could charge it and to walk another country mile to go and put it back up again when it was ready. So having a solar panel means I wouldn't have had to do that um, if I just invested in one, but for an extra 30 bucks, uh, Ring is going to give you that. Now with the Cam Plus, uh, it sounds very similar, except it hasn't got the radar. So you've got the two-way talk, you've got the color night vision, you've got the live view and the siren. Everything else seems to be much the same. But one thing that to simply call out here is the price, 289 for that model. Um, it does also still come in a solar battery or plug-in option. 
And honestly, the plug-in option actually makes a lot of sense if you've already got power nearby. Uh, for example, in my shed, I have a security camera in there, but it's because it was so easy to simply plug into a power board and I can always record any motion that happens inside the shed. I mean, if someone gets into the shed, I'm going to have a nice little home video to take home as a result of it. So that's one of the reasons you do want the plug-in options. It's one of those set and forget cameras. You never have to touch it again. It just works. Now, moving on from uh, Ring, Eufy have also made some announcements, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but E-U-F-Y. I mean, if you're going to name your company Eufy, you've certainly made sure that the URL, um, the Twitter account, the Facebook account is going to be available because no one ever is going to say that word unless they're referring to this particular brand. No one's going to mistake Eufy for literally anything else. Now, Eufy is, uh, to me, a relatively new newcomer in this space. Um, they have been doing security cameras for about two, about two years now in Australia, but I think now they're starting to pick up their stride. And I'll tell you why. This is a smart doorbell, smart door lock, security camera, all built into one unit. So I like this. So we've talked about what Ring used to be known for with their smart doorbell. It was a doorbell that you could push the button. It would effectively ring an app on your smartphone. You could have a conversation with them, say, please leave the parcel at the door. And that would be it. But this is the door lock. And it's also got the camera built in for surveillance. So here we go. It's called the Security Video Smart Lock. I mean, they've literally packed all the words into one. Now, on the top of this unit is a fingerprint sensor. Ben beneath that is the camera. Beneath that is a pin pad. Beneath that is a bell, like a button to push the doorbell. So someone could be walking up to your door. Hopefully they realize that your door lock is also your doorbell. They push that button. Your phone rings, you can have a conversation with them, but guess what? You can also unlock the door. So it's literally that all-in-one app that would be able to see, interact with, and unlock the door for anybody. So if someone pops over, they're carrying a beautiful cake, they say, I baked you a cake, but unfortunately, oh, you're just not home. I would hate to leave it on the doorstep and the neighborhood cat comes and takes it. Oh no, that's fine. Let me unlock the door. You can just pop it in. Or you can pop it on the table, make yourself a glass of water, and then get out of my house. You could absolutely do all of those things, all remotely from anywhere in the world. The other part, too, that obviously is interacting with the courier, asking them just to leave the package there. The, the, the thing that's important to note here is that the camera is not only activated by the doorbell. The camera is also motion activated as well. So you could absolutely just detect that they're at the front door. And even if they don't use the doorbell, you could still have that conversation. You could still open the door lock if you wanted to, and away you go. Now, for your own convenience, you've got the pin pad just in case you don't have a finger um, because you can use your fingerprint sensor. It is Bluetooth enabled as well as app controlled. So you could effectively be coming home, open the app while you're, I don't know, pulling into the driveway if it was safe to do so, unlock the front door. You could just simply touch the fingerprint sensor or if you've forgotten your fingers, you can use the pin pad with your nose. So there's plenty of different ways to get into the home. And I think this is genuinely smart. It's a 2K camera. Um, I like this. I like that it's an all-in-one device. It looks pretty good. It's pretty slim and it runs on batteries, which actually they say will last a year. Obviously making sure maybe when you change daylight savings or whatever it is, maybe you um, charge the batteries. The other part to it though, and it's important to remember this, well not to remember this, you'll know when you try and buy one, it's 750 bucks. Not a cheap smart door lock camera all in one device, but if you compare it with the cost of buying a smart door lock, a smart doorbell, and a security camera, 
you can see you've actually got this all-in-one device and it probably works out cheaper overall. I like it. I think it's very smart. I would love to test one at 750 bucks. I don't see one flying at my house in a hurry, but I would love one, especially for the shed. I'd love one for the shed door because I always forget the shed key whenever I'm walking down the back. Um, but having one for the front door obviously would be amazing. I, I, I'm always talking to curious, curious through our Arlo cameras. It would be great if I could actually talk to them at the door instead of sort of at the driveway where I usually catch them. So just something to think about, the Eufy Video Smart Lock. Now, before we get into the Optus news, I want to talk quickly about a new tablet. This is from TCL. Now, TCL have been making a lot of innovative strides recently. And, you know, we had those glasses that were like cinematic glasses that you could wear. Um, they've got they've had prototypes of rollable phones. They are really trying to push the envelope and they continue to demonstrate that new new innovation wherever they can. They've done it this time in a form of a tablet. It's called the Next Paper 10S. Now, the reason that this is an exciting device is because that keyword paper. It really highlights that this is a device that is easy on the eyes, not from a looks perspective primarily, but from something you could stare at for a longer period of time without that eye strain. They say they cut blue light by 73% without deteriorating the image quality. And that means that if you're someone who reads a lot on their tablets, if you read the, the, the newspaper in digital, or if you're spending a lot of time browsing websites, or you're just reading eBooks, this is a better device for your eyes. And that's a really nice thing to see that they're doing. Um, I would like to test this for myself. And I would effectively love to also understand what impact this technology has on brightness, whether it's using indoors or outdoors, is there going to be an element of fade? Uh, but this is just a very smart move when it comes to tablet display technology. And I'm surprised that someone like Apple have not done this already for their iPad, knowing that it probably is, well, it is the most popular tablet on the planet. So smart to see that TCL is doing that. They've also added what they call a PC mode. And effectively, that means that you can have a, um, a keyboard and a mouse dock that effectively turns that tablet into, or the Android tablet, into a usable computer type device with a cursor and things like that. So really, really smart innovation here from tablets. We don't see a lot of new tablets coming to market, especially up against the iPad. So it is good to see this. It is coming in at 499 which is a good price for a 10 inch with 64 gig of storage, multiple cameras and things like that, it's octa-core processor. I like the idea of all of this as long as it all works in practice. And it's something we need to pay attention to and check out. But it's going to be available at like normal retail stores, Big W and Target and stuff like that. So you will find it available out there. Hopefully people can actually get hands-on with something like this before they uh, go and buy it. I think that's an important thing to do when it comes to you know tablets that you're going to spend a lot of time playing with. And honestly, if we're getting back in travel, and you may be watching a lot of movies on your tablet, whatever it is, uh, this could be a perfect little travel companion as well. So worth checking out the TCL Next Paper 10S. Now, shall we talk about the biggest data breach Australia has ever seen? Yeah. Now, it would have been the day after you would have all been listening to last week's podcast that this news really came out. and. I know when something big has happened, not because I've read about it online. I know that something big has happened because I'm missing a lot of phone calls and I'm getting a lot of SMSs. And that's what happened on this day. Now, the reason that last week you got the podcast early is because on the Thursday or the Friday, whatever, I'm, I'm losing track of time here. Whenever you got the podcast, the day after that, it was my daughter's birthday. And I wanted to make sure I spend as much time as possible with her. I took the day off work and things like that. 
and it was all about all about her and all about spending time um, relaxing. Obviously, we had the Queen's uh, day off as well, so I recorded on the Wednesday as a result. That's that's what happened. And so we had this time where I was like, great, family time, let's go. This is going to be good. And then the news breaks. So I'm missing phone calls. I start to think, what the heck is happening? And I start getting SMSs. Jeff, we'd love to, love to get you on air to talk about the Optus breach. Jeff, have you heard about the Optus data breach? Can you jump on air and talk about it? These are radio producers um, calling. And I was like, yeah, 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 sure. At the same time thinking, oh, man, I'm trying to you know, have some family time. So it was a bit of a tough squeeze. So I had to pick and choose which ones I did. I kind of prioritized the big ones like 2GB, 3AW and others where they've got as many listeners as possible. But I tried to be available where I could, where it would make sense. Now, let's try and unpack a little bit of what we thought happened immediately, where we're at today. I want to give you a bit of a, bit of a timeline. So we had this alert come out. Now, I got nothing in my email from Optist about this breach. I read about it on The Australian. Um, it was an article that was written. I believe they had the exclusive on it. And it basically said that there was this huge data breach from Optus um, with all the details captured, not just you know name, email addresses. It was significant. And then I started to see input from Scamwatch. And when Scamwatch start tweeting about this, you know that the government is now taking this seriously as well. So there was some information coming from them around this cyber attack and information and action that people should start to take based on this. Now, the, at the time, we had been told that current and former customers were impacted. And, and so far, all of this is still true. Uh, current and former customer details had been impacted. Not all of them had um, driver's license or passport details stolen, but some had. And we were also told that financial details, like your credit card details, were not part of this breach. So as it stands when I'm recording, financial details are not part of this breach as we still know it. But your name, date of birth, address, effectively anything you would use in a sign-up form for a mobile phone plan has been captured, except your credit card details. Now, when you do present to sign up to a new contract or something like that, you generally need to provide a form of ID. It could be your driver's license. It could be your passport. It could also be your Medicare card. And recently we discovered that Medicare card details have been part of the breach as well. Now, depending on what document you use to sign up is where your level of concern should be. Because today I've been seeing people panicking about changing their passport when in fact they don't actually know that their passport details are part of this data breach. And if you didn't use your passport to sign up, that Optus doesn't know what your passport details are, hence it couldn't have been stolen. So you need to be very aware of what you actually did when you first signed up to Optus to know how you could be impacted. Now, customers started to receive emails about this um, pretty quickly, but very slowly and in a trickle effect. I received an email from Optus to my carexpert.com.au email address. That email address has only been around for 18 months. I haven't been an Optus customer for about 20 years. I don't understand how that email address is in any way, shape or form part of the Optus breach, but it looked legitimate. It came from Optus. It had my first name in there. Um, it was kind of weird. I don't have any services with Optus, especially tied to um, my car expert email account, which just doesn't make sense. So it's a lot of people are getting emails. A lot of people are getting them and panicking. So we're going to unpack this a little bit as well. Now, over the course of that day, 
I had uh, a number of radio spots to do. I then had Sunrise saying, we need to get you on tomorrow morning. We'll send a crew to your home. Um, that, was, that was the morning of my daughter's birthday. So I said, fine, but we've got to do it super early. Come to my place. Let's get on air at about 6.30. She might still be asleep. You know, things are going to be kind of kosher in that sense. And it was. So we did a live cross to Koshi talking about this. And here's the sentiment of that conversation. The conversation effectively was what I've just told you. Here is the types of data that has been accessed by a hacker. None of it has actually been publicly released at the time. However, knowing what has been captured, here is the risks. And here are the sort of things that you could be doing. Now, the risk is, is simple. With that much data or that much information about you potentially being in somebody's hands, they could potentially be able to sign up for credit cards, mobile phone plans, um, mobile services, and things like that. So you think about what happens when you've got 100 points of ID, you can start to say, well, I've got their driver's license number, I've got their address, I've got their name, I can probably sign up to a credit card. And then I can go and spend money on that credit card and they'll get the bill because I've provided all of those details, which verifies that it's that person, even if it's not. That's the risk. The biggest risk to that is it could happen tomorrow. It could happen in six months time. You don't know when somebody decides to use your details that have been captured by, by the Optus breach against you. You have no idea when that's going to happen. You almost have to cross your fingers and hope that your name just doesn't get picked in the lottery of hackers wanting to do something with that data. Now, as part of that, you also need to start to think about, well, what kind of preventative measures can you now put in place to protect yourself? If you are somebody who has been impacted by this, there's a couple of things I would be pre preparing for immediately. The first is this. Make sure that you have on your email account, especially if it's a Gmail or similar, um, your bank, your social media account, anything that you have a login for, if the facility allows it, set up two-factor authentication. Two-factor authentication basically means that even if I knew your name your, or your, you know, your username or your password, it would then SMS me a unique code, which I would need to enter at that point in time to actually log in. So if somebody does try and hack into your email or anything like that, you're going to be covered. That's going to send you the SMS. You can ignore it. That person doesn't get in. The other part to remember is this. Every email that you now receive should be questioned because your email address, which is part of this breach, also has a lot of information about you as well. We now know that you're an Optus customer. We know your email address. We know where you live. And as a result, I could potentially draft an email pretending to be Optus and email you saying, you've got an unpaid bill. We're going to cancel your service tomorrow. If you do not click here and pay now, a lot of customers would fall for something like that. And again, this doesn't have to happen tomorrow. This can happen in six months time when we've forgotten all about this data breach. And suddenly this email has been received. You'll think, oh, maybe I didn't pay my bill last month. You'll click on the link. You'll put in your credit card details and you're going to be scammed for whatever money they decide to take off your credit card. So being very aware of any emails, and not just from uh, scams from Optus, but anyone else, because your email address, if this data all does get exposed, there is a huge significant risk in that sense. So pay attention to your email and make sure you're really looking at everything you receive and don't click on the links. Emails coming from Optus at the moment are not containing any links whatsoever. For that reason, they want to make sure that everyone is trusting what they're reading and showing that by not having anything, you know, click here for more information. None of that. It's all being done in a single email. So that's an important thing to do. As well as that, pay attention to your transactions, anything that's happening on your accounts. Pay very close attention to something that doesn't seem right, something that wasn't a planned expense or anything like that. Just look at it and go, 
hang on a minute, even if it's a dollar, even if it's 10 cents, I've seen a lot of times when people are using uh, somebody's account for transactions, they might just test it. 10 cents here. Oh, it worked. Great. 100 bucks. Great. Another 100 bucks. And over time, if it goes unnoticed, they're collecting a lot of money from you and you don't even know about it. So pay close attention to your banks. So you should have received an email if you've had your driver's license or passport um, as part of the breach. And it clearly tells you in the email if um, if those details were not part of the breach on your account. I've seen both examples and it says it in bold if your driver's license or passport was not part of that. Now, if you have received the email that says your driver's license and your and or your passport was part of the breach, you have a couple of choices as it stands today. All states and territories, except I think Tasmania so far, sorry, Tasmania, um, have not committed to removing the cost of changing your driver's license number. And what that means at the moment Normally, when you go to, say, Service New South Wales and you say, I want to change my driver's license number, they say, are you um, impacted by fraud at this point? If you say no, they say, well, you can't. And if you say yes, then it was going to be a fee. That's all been removed. So now if you have the email that says that your details were part of that breach, you walk into a Service New South Wales, you present that email, present some probably some ID, and suddenly you're able to get a new driver's license number issued. So if you're very concerned about that, you can go and do that as well. The Australian government is also pushing for passports to be able to be renewed and um, have the passport details changed for free as well. And they're going to push Optus to reimburse the cost of doing that or to at least reimburse the government to making it free to those customers that have been impacted. So there is a lot that's, that's being done to try and allow you to change as much details as you could um, around this. Obviously, you can't change your date of birth easily. You, it's very difficult to change your address unless you're you know, in a hurry to move um, and your name and things like that are going to remain the same. So you know, those two things, ch- changing your driver's license and your passport, they are good ideas. Um, but at the same time, does that mean that you're going to be you know, scot-free? You're never going to receive a scam email or anything like that? Of course not. But it could be uh, a nice level of protection. The other thing that Optus has confirmed and that they will commit to is 12 months of what they call Equifax uh, Protect. Now, this is a credit blocking or reporting tool. And that means that if somebody does try and open a credit card in your name, it can block that from happening. An important thing to have if you're concerned that somebody could be you know, doing some sort of fraud against you, opening accounts in your name. The flip side of that, however, is that it actually blocks you from opening up new credit cards yourself or from applying for a home loan or anything like that. So do bear in mind that if you do put something like that in place, it will actually stop you from doing those things. So if you're in the process of maybe buying a new home, um, maybe hold off on that piece, but be aware that that opportunity will exist. As it stands today, you can actually get that $15 a month. So if you're concerned today, you can sign up, pay the $15, and then hopefully in a month's time, Optus has figured out how they're going to give that service to you for free. And then you can go ahead and start to um, claim that for free. But 15 bucks, it might be a good idea just to get started in that sense. So we had that all happen. And I've given you a bit of an idea as to what you can do to protect yourself and how you can keep an eye on things. But then we started to see some interesting stuff. The hacker or the person who claims to be the hacker decided to post on the dark web on a forum um, in very poor English, which gives you a good idea that this person is not an Australian who's done this work, saying that they've got 11.2 million users 
They went through the types of um, data fields that they've taken, you know, identification numbers, um, date of birth, et cetera, as we've already spoken about. They went through the breakdown of how many of these accounts have a driver's license number, how many of them have um, a form of identity document number and things like that. They then released two samples, 100 users at a time, to prove that this was legitimate. Now, hackers will do that as a bit of a, a bit of a way of almost sending a finger in the mail. You know, when, when you see movies where they have a hostage and they have a ransom for that hostage and they're like, prove to me that you've actually got my son. And they're like, fine, we'll cut a finger off, put it in the mail and you'll see that's your, that's your kid or your wife with the little wedding ring on, that kind of thing. You've seen those movies. So when a hacker does that, it's the same example. Here is my evidence and here, bang, they drop it, which means those 200 people have been exposed publicly with the, all of that data, whether they liked it or not. And that's a real unfortunate thing to do when you've got 11.2 million users in your, in your breach. Even, even 200 people impacted, it sucks for those 200 people because that data could be downloaded by any scammer to start making use of, and it's free information they can be using. Now, this person who is definitely a child, and there's no way that I'm going to ever assume or believe anyone who says this person was an adult. This hacker is definitely a child um, for the, the way the email is written or the, the, the post on the forum is written. Definitely sounds like a child who's done it. And then they say, the ransom to Optus, who has one week to respond to this ransom, the cost of the ransom is $1 million. $1 million. This person has 11.2 million user accounts with highly confidential information, and they want a million bucks. That's probably not even half. You know what? It's probably 10% of the Optus marketing budget. Optus have just signed Ash Barty, Danny Ricciardo, um, a number of other sports people as ambassadors. Do you think they're paying them a few bucks? I think they are. This person has no idea who Optus probably is. They probably have no idea wh what kind of size of a company they're dealing with if they're asking for a million dollars. I mean, that tells you it's a child. That, that person is like when I was a kid and you heard about somebody being able to like earn a thousand dollars and you're like oh man the day that i earn a thousand dollars i'm gonna buy a ferrari and you're like freaking out about that sort of stuff but here's a person saying i want one million dollars like okay in my book optus probably looked at that and went should we just do it should we just throw this kid a million bucks and hope for the best like even if even if you don't trust a hacker you don't trust a ransom and you think well they could release the data anyway so why would i trust them or they may be bluffing or whatever it's a million dollars i mean didn't they just hire Gladys Berejiklian? Do you think she's being paid a dime? Yeah, maybe. So that happened. And the ransom guy said, you've got one week to decide. Go, go at it. And everyone was like, okay. And then some people started to download and look at those 200 records that were provided. Lo and behold, uh, one journalist who is an absolute genius, I think it was Jeremy Kirk. I just want to be sure it is. Jeremy Kirk, look at this guy on Twitter and follow him. He's a genius when it comes to IT security, but he's also a great journalist downloaded those 200 records, found that there's someone in that list who lives in his street, went to that person, showed them the information that was in the hack and said, is this you? And they verified it. They said, yes, absolutely. They then used that person and went on um, haveibeenporn.com to check whether this person had been part of a data breach before. And maybe that would be why this person was able to accumulate an example or a sample data set like this. And they hadn't been. That email address had not been part of a data breach before. And that shows that the data this hacker had 
was probably the real deal. And it had to start being believed that this person on the dark web actually may have had all of this data. A few days go by. I think we had a weekend and it seems like this person decided to have a weekend as well, which again tells me this is a child. This is a child who lives at home with mum, and on the weekend had to go out for lunches and visiting relatives, and I don't know, or maybe had to work at Macca's. I'm not sure. But then we also had an interview with, um, what was the name of the lady? Claire O'Neill. She's the new MP for Cybersecurity and Home Affairs. I love that they have this in the government now. And this person basically tore Optus to shreds and said, this is not a sophisticated attack. This was an easy attack. The data was not encrypted. Optus about seven months ago actually voted against the data retention and protection laws that the government wanted to put in place because it would actually cost Optus too much money to change their systems to support this level of encryption and security. So that was seven months ago. Now they're kind of wishing they probably went with that path. So Claire O'Neill, MP, has spoken out publicly saying this was not a sophisticated attack. This was probably done by someone very easily with a low level of skill, um, almost like finding a key under the doormat and walking into someone's front door. It was kind of laid out for you in that sense. Now, it's also very sad and scary to know that a company as big as Optus could have been hacked that simply. It's pretty scary. Now we then had... And this was the funniest part ever. We then, well, this was, no, not the funny part yet. This is still coming. We then had, must have been Monday morning. My phone again. The ring a ring. Going bananas. What's happened here? I just find out before I can check my phone. And 10,000 records have been released by this hacker again. To say, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. This is happening. And you need to start taking me seriously. This person drops 10,000 records and says, there you go. Have some more data. Believe me, pay me. You're running out of time. Then saying, I'm going to drop another 10,000 tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that until we hit that uh, time limit. And then it's anybody's. People started to really panic. Those 10,000 records started to feel like a lot more than 200 from the previous days, right? 10,000 records is pretty serious. That was when we discovered that there was Medicare card details in this in this hack as well, because we started to find examples of that. You know, and when you purport that across 11 million records, it can actually be a lot of Medicare card details. And when you think about what Medicare can bring, that could bring access into MyGov, your My Health record. People start to really freak out about health violations in that sense. You can see where it becomes a problem. Now, I'm doing radio spots about this. I have a current affair ringing me up who never rings me. A current affair ringing me up because it's Channel 9. A current affair ringing me up and saying, we're coming to your house. Um, in a couple of hours to talk about this. This is pretty serious. Now we're seeing 10,000 a day. We need to start talking about this more. No problem. Be my guest. Doing other radio spots and so on. About an hour or so later, I go online, I check Twitter, and this hacker, this genius hacker, this boy or girl who's a, ch who's a child, basically comes out and says this. Too many eyes. We will not sail data to anyone. We can't if we even want to. I personally deleted data from Drive. It was the only copy. Sorry to the 10,200 Australians whose data was leaked. Australia will see no gain in fraud. This can be monitored, maybe for 10,200 Australian, but rest of population, no. Very sorry to you. Deepest apology to Optus for this. Hope all goes well from this. Optus, 
If you're reading, we would have reported exploit if you had method to contact. No security mail, no bug bounties, no way to message. Ransom not paid, but we don't care anymore. Was mistake to scrape published data in first place. A come to Jesus moment, maybe? Somebody realizing with the outroar or outrage that was going on in the public in Australia, maybe this person started to have a conscience, thinking this could actually be very bad, and I don't want this to happen. I don't really want to hurt these Australians. They're such lovely people with their meat pies and kangaroos. Or did mum find out? Did mum walk into the room and see little kitty on his computer and went, what are you up to, son? Or maybe in a different language. And the kid said, nothing, mum. And they said, hmm. What's all this stuff you got going on here? Oh, it's just a... Uh, uh, Mum, don't tell anyone, but... Uh, I, I hacked Optus. I've got 11 million records and I want $1 million. And then the mum smacked that kid so hard and made him apologize on the dark web and delete all of the data to not get the million dollars, but to get nothing and to just be a good boy and get back to the rice fields. I don't know somewhere. I don't know what nationality this person was, but they had to other things they had to go and do. So that's what I think the story is. And since then, we haven't heard anything else from this person. Um, this person is now being berated on the dark web because every scammer would have been frothing at the mouth to get their hands on any of these customer records. Um, and they won't have access to that now. So could this be the end of it? Maybe. Those 10,000 people affected, still a problem for them. But if that data has been actually deleted, if it's gone, then all our Christmases have come at once. And it's kind of insane to, to, to think or to trust that this hacker is telling the truth or that this hacker actually had all that data in the first place and they've deleted it. This all sounds like a bit of a fairy tale ending, almost like when someone's written a book and went, nah, then I woke up and it was a dream. Like that's literally what it's starting to sound like now. So it's almost too good to be true. But as I'm recording it today, that's the way it is. Now, in the meantime, the AFP, the FBI, a number of other agencies need to be ripping Optus up and saying, what the heck is happening here? What have you been doing? Why did this happen? What's the deal? Now, on the flip side, I've also seen a number of cybersecurity positions being advertised at Optus. And that tells me a lot as well, that they were clearly short-staffed, didn't have the right people there, and are now desperate to get the right resourcing in place to make sure something like this does not happen again. So that's the Optus saga, and that's how it stands today. If you've been impacted, you have that choice, changing your driver's license, changing your passport, um, putting in the Equifax Protect as well, securing your own accounts with two-factor authentication and otherwise. But at this point, maybe you don't need to do that. If your name is not in that 10,000 records, maybe you're safe. Now, the other part of knowing about whether your name is in that 10,000 records, it's very difficult to do unless you go on the dark web and check it out for yourself. because. Troy Hunt from HaveIBeenPorn.com, the man who helps you discover whether your data has been part of a breach, is not uploading those 10,000 records to his service because he says, unless we can do all 11 million, it's not fair. So they're not doing it. They're not adding that 10,000, which I think would have been a nice thing to do, even if it was for 10,000 people, Troy. But I think he's on his honeymoon anyway, so maybe when he gets back, he'll have a change of heart. Let's wait and see what happens. So that is the Optus breach. It's been a whirlwind. It's been incredibly crazy to watch. Yes, there'll be heads rolling at Optus, um, but I will tell you this, and I've reached out to a number of people at Optus who I've met uh, over my career. And 
anybody who interacts with somebody who works at Optus in your passing, in a store, if you see someone wearing an Optus lanyard on their way home from work, do not take any of this out on them. None of this is an individual's fault at Optus. If anything, if you see the CEO of Optus, maybe you could say something. But I just would recommend to people, be nice. These are people who may have had nothing to do with this at all. It may be the person who just sells phones. It may be the person who just tries to do tech support. I mean, the person that you're talking to who's wearing that Optus lanyard uh, may have just started. You don't know. So all I would tell people is show heart. Be kind to these people. This is not something that's in their control. The person we should be angry with is the hacker and the CEO who has not made sure that their company is secure. They're the ones who make decisions around hiring and firing. They're the ones who make decisions around strategy. Yes, she will have her, her moment either in court or in front of the government or whatever process she now now needs to go through. But Optus employees and others should not be the, the butt of anybody's anger as much as it would feel like it. And again, I'll take this to another area and say that if you work at a Service New South Wales, Service Victoria, Service Queensland and so on, give them guys a break as well because they are now going through a new process for issuing driver's licenses or passports or whatever the case is. They are going to have to follow new processes as well. So be nice to them. I saw a lady who posted something on their Facebook page today in a service New South Wales, just yelling at their phone about this whole issue that the person that they spoke to had no idea about what was going on and didn't, wasn't able to help her. I'm like, it's, it's, it's fresher than a dead body. Just chill. So be nice to people is all I'll say on that one. So that's the story. More on that next week. I have no doubt. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. I will speak to you again next week. And maybe we won't need to talk about this Opta breach, Optus breach because this child in whatever part of the world they're from was actually being serious and had 11 million records and deleted it. Who knows? Speak to you soon, guys. Bye-bye.